Our dear Mother Sai, with your blessings, we will now move on to today's keynote speech titled, Finish the Game. And this will be delivered by Sri Sanjay Sani. Sri Sanjay Sani is an alumni of the Sri Satya Sai Institute of Higher Learning, Prashanti Nilayam. Sri Sanjay Sani belongs to the first batch of the five-year integrated program launched by the university in 1982. He had a distinguished academic career, securing gold medals for both BCom and MCom at the university. He joined as a faculty member in the Department of Commerce at the Prashanti Nilayam campus in 1987. He served as the warden of the Sri Satyasai Hostel, Prashanti Nilayam, from 1990 to 1993. He joined the Brindavan campus of the University of Bangalore in 1993. He served as the principal of the Brindavan campus from 2002 until 2011 and as a director of the campus until 2015. He is currently serving as the controller of examinations in the Satyasai Institute of National and Satyasai Institute of Higher Learning, Prashanti Nilayam. He has participated in a number of workshops nationally and internationally on value education in India, East Asia, Middle East, and the Europe. May I now call upon Sri Sanjay Sani to the podium. Offering my loving pranams at Bhagwan's lotus feet, revered elders, and my dear young brothers and sisters from Zone 4A and 4B of our Satisai International Organization. Welcome to Prashantilam. Welcome to the Prashanti campus of Sri Satisai Institute of Higher Learning. And I express my gratitude to the organizers of this Faith Lift program for giving me this opportunity to contemplate on this beautiful theme of Bhagwan the four Fs. <clears throat> Usually Bhagwan would commence his discourse with a stanza, <clears throat> which he would usually sing out. And this is one of his beautiful poems, which he would tell us on several occasions. Punar Vittam, Punar Mitram, Punar Bharya, Punar Mahi, Etat Sarvam Puran Labhyam, Nashariram Punah Punaha. What this stanza means is if you have wealth and you lose your wealth, it's possible to earn your wealth again. You have friends. And for some reason, 
those friends leave you, you can always make new friends in life. You have a spouse and for some reason you lose your spouse, it's possible to marry again and have another spouse. But to get a human birth again is not easy. So putting it in the context of the last of the four F's, finish the game. What is that game? Swami would often tell youngsters, life is a game, play it. Tomorrow I believe you are having your Olympics in our indoor stadium, right? So as you gear up for your own young adult Olympics event, let's contemplate on this theme of life as a game. And how should we play it? And how should we play it so that we finish the game? In his monumental work, Vivek Chudamani, the great Indian saint, Adi Shankaracharya, the founder of Advaita philosophy, makes a statement. He says, Jantu naam narajanma durlabham. There are 84 lakhs of species. Among 84 lakhs of species, the human birth is the crown jewel. And among all the life forms that we have acquired, as a fruition of all the good that you have done, you get this human birth. Having got it, do not fritter it away for a song. Now usually, I used to take this Human Values course, Life and its Quest, for a full semester for our students. Now in 45 minutes, we have to compress the whole gist of it. And I'm very conscious that we are teachers, and a teacher is like a farmer. So it's possible that some things that may be said are like, you know, a bouncer in a cricket game. So you don't even have to duck. You know, the ball will just go above your head. But as I said, we are conscious as teachers that we are farmers, and we are sowing the seeds, and one day this seed will fructify and will become a tree. So it is in that spirit I share because Swami never hesitated to give his students the truth and nothing but the truth. And his Sai youth, the young adults of his international Sai organization also deserve to know the truth and nothing but the truth. What is so special about the human life? Once Mr. Hislop he has documented this conversation in a beautiful work called The Conversations with Bhagwan Sri Satya Sai Baba. He was an ardent devotee from the United States. So he said, Swami, is there life in the other 
parts of the universe? He said, yes, there is life, but not human life. Human life is there only on earth. And then he asked, why is it that this human birth is so special? And Swami answers it, the gist of it is like this. See, we were born as a dog. A dog will die as a dog. If we are born as a snake, we will die as a snake. If you are born as a donkey, you will die as a donkey. Man is the only species in God's creation that though born as a human, you can die as God. One day Swami was sharing with some of his teachers in the interview room at Prashantinilam. He said, the speciality of this human birth is that once you have got a human birth, you know, we were born as all kinds of life forms in the past and as the fruition of all the good you have done that, finally you get a human birth. But having got a human birth, you will never ever revert back to an animal life again. You will never ever revert back to an animal life again. You may be born poor. You may be born maimed. You may be born, you know, say, mentally deranged. All that's for, you know, as a consequence of what you have done in your human life in the past. But you will never go back to an animal existence again. There is only one way in which you can rise and that is from manhood to the divine. Now the question arises, having got this wonderful opportunity to be born as a human, how do we use that opportunity? And Swami has given us this beautiful message of the four Fs. In one of his discourses, uh, I know a lot of deliberation has gone on on the first three Fs, but I'll just give a brief snapshot to lay the groundwork for my theme today. Swami has connected these four Fs to the four goals of human existence. According to Sanatan Dharma, the faith of the Hindus, there are four goals of human life, existence. The first is Dharma, second is Artha, Kama, Moksha. These are the four goals. The first step, follow the master, relates to Dharma. The avatar, you know, in the first day, I think uh, Brother Rame emphasized, underlined for our benefit. Who is the master? And you know, he said, the master, right? And the master is Bhagwan Sri Satisai for us. Every avatar comes for what? Dharma samsthapanarthaya yuge yuge. This is the Lord's declaration in the Bhagavad Gita. He comes not to 
protect dharma dharma is always there what he comes to foster and nurture is the practice of dharma you know we have forgotten how to live a righteous life how to lead a life of dharma so the lord comes to encourage us prompt us inspire us be an example of that and that's why the first step follow the master according to manu dharma shastra which is the ancient book of morals for indians there are four sources of dharma the first is called shruti shruti are the vedas you know they are like the command of the royal command satyam vada speak the truth dharmam chara follow the righteous path action so they give a command so that is the first source of dharma but there is no explanation there is no interpretation so sometimes you are in a dilemma and therefore you have one more source of dharma the second source of dharma manu says is smriti the itihasas and the puranas you know for example we have the ramayana the story of shri rama we have the mahabharata the bhagavatam the story of shri krishna and his contemporaries so many exemplary lives we find in this story in this history and from them we get an inspiration how to lead our daily life so that is called smriti the third manu says is in your own society in your own contemporary times look to people who are inspirational you know this divine personalities so we had the beautiful blessing of bhagwan shri satya sai baba in our own midst his own life is his message so you follow his life but somebody may ask but i have never seen bhagwan shri satya sai baba today how do i connect to him and manu says there is a fourth source of dharma and he says that is your conscience and that is what swami said follow the master is to follow your conscience your conscience is the voice of god within you the second f talks of face the devil now what is devil if you look at the bible you know the devil tempts jesus with all kinds of things before he realizes that he is the messenger of god the devil swami relates to the second goal of life which is artha now a literal translation it means wealth but it is not only wealth it is for all the material possessions and it also relates to all your material acquisitions tangible and intangible your you know you want name you want fame and all that kind of thing also so these are your temptations and these the moment you get attracted to them you forget the master not only you forget to follow the master you forget the master itself so that's why it's called a temptation right if i'm looking at you it goes without saying that i'm not looking at the person next to you right so when you get obsessed with artha that's why swami used to say how do we get over this how do we deal with artha he said combine dharma and artha acquire wealth or acquire artha through the righteous means that is the way in which you will overcome your fascination 
for artha your temptation of artha the third fight to the end the third f is fight to the end and swami relates this to kama now kama is a very interesting word in the sanskrit language basically it refers to desire so all our desires can be put in the context of and to fight desire please note you have to fight till the very end there is no such time in life going to be ah, now i am victorious and therefore i can sit back and relax no you have to fight till the very end so it's an endless fight till the destination is attained now what is kama kama ka ka stands for pleasure ma is limited so what is kama kama is limited pleasure is it wrong to aspire for kama or fulfillment of our desires absolutely nothing wrong in fact our ancient sages said this is a goal of human life but what kind of kama lord in his vibhuti yoga in bhagavad gita says i am kama that is not opposed to dharma that desire which is not opposed to dharma now yesterday when i was going through your wonderful exhibition at the satsang hall you know one of the things i found is that our young adults are good foodies true or false true right now nothing wrong nothing wrong in fact i remember many years ago uh, we were having the summer course in vrindavan and uh, Swami had called all the officials of the university as the summer course was ending for an interview. So the interview got over and then Swami got up and he straight walked to me. I was the warden of the boys hostel here and he said, uh, "Sanjay, can you do something for me?" And I was thinking, "My lord, you know Swami, he could have asked anybody anything. Here is he coming and asking me, "Can you do something for me?" And I said, "Swami, what can I do?" he said you know your hostel throughout the year the sambar and the rasam it has the same taste same smell can you do something <laughs> now look at it you know swami he created the whole universe he could have asked for anything spiritual but no he's not worried about it he's asking and then i realize how much he loves his students and his young devotees so one of the first things his concern was the food so i was not a good cook and uh, i was clueless how am i going to fulfill swami's you know command but one thing i knew was what is good food because my mother was a very good cook so every day after the evening bhajan would get over i would go and sit in the kitchen i would sit with the in charge i would sit with the cooks and we would talk about the menu we would see how we could improve the food and the food did improve over a short period of time one day i was sitting in the mandir and swami is looking at the students i was about 5 feet away from him and he made a statement and he said the students have become fat 
So I said, thank you, Swami. I got my certificate today. <laughs> so I fully recognize how young people like food. Nothing wrong. Enjoy food. Now, what's wrong? Now, supposing you like, say, you like uh, pizza or you like, uh, you know, uh, yesterday there were some wonderful dishes from various countries put up. Sir, why not you taste this? This is from Sri Lanka. This is from Singapore and all that. So, now, now our stomach is just this bit, this much. Now, supposing you take that much that you can digest for the day, wonderful. Now, supposing you think, you know, when I go back to Malaysia, I will not get this Singapore delicacy tomorrow. Why not have 10 today? You know, that is where the desire has got multiplied into greed. Oh, what if I not get it tomorrow? So let me take as much. And the next day you have a stomach upset and you go to your young adult coordinator. Sorry, you know, I have a stomach upset. Can you exempt me? I'm not coming for today's program. <laughs> right? So the problem with karma, as I said, is because it is limited pleasure. Limit See, all of us are seekers of joy. Each one of us. Each soul is actually a seeker of joy. And the Lord has created this world for our enjoyment. So why not enjoy it? However, there's one thing which we should be conscious of when we enjoy the world. And what is it? That this world can give us only limited happiness, limited joy. The problem of each one of us is we want eternal joy from this transient world which can give us only limited joy. The moment you want eternal joy from this transient world, you have a problem. So what we are really seeking is actually that eternal joy. You know, once I get it, it should not diminish. It should not decline. It should not be dependent whether the, you know, the room is very cool or the room is very hot. It should not be dependent whether people around me are very conducive or they are, you know, abusive. It should not be dependent on whether I won my game today or I lost my game, whether I got a good news today or I got a bad news. When it transcends all these dualities, then that joy is the true joy. It transcends the limitations of this limited world. And how can you transcend it? And therefore, the Lord gives us a beautiful message in the Gita, Anityam Asukham Lokam Imam Prapya Bhajaswamam. My dear, this work is Anityam. It is transient. Enjoy it. But know that it is transient. It will not give you permanent joy. Asukham, the same thing which gives you so much joy today, tomorrow it has the potency to give you sorrow. You know, you're so happy, say a child is born. Few days later, few years later, the child dies and you live to see your child's death. It's just, when the child was born, you were so happy. When the same child dies, you feel so sad. So the same thing which gives us happiness also carries with it the potency to give us sorrow. So how do we transcend this joy, sorrow, joy, sorrow, joy, sorrow? This sequence, pleasure is an interval between two pains, Swami would say. The only way in which you can get out of this, divert your mind to whom? To the one who is the embodiment of it. 
eternal joy and eternal bliss if you want there are two things in this world which god has not put and if you want it you can get it only at god's doorstep you cannot get it in the world though it gives us so much joy in so many ways and you know what are those two things one is peace of mind the other is bliss and that is why you know when we are dealing with karma swami says divert this karma for the fourth goal of human existence and he these ancients called it moksha now that seems to be you know something very very oh my lord it is somewhere beyond the ninth of heaven it is not for young adults like us right so it would be my endeavor in the next few minutes to try to bring us into the range of consideration of what is that moksha and can you and i also aspire to realistically discover it to realistically find it to realistically touch it smell it feel it and experience it in our own lifetime so for doing that you know we have to dwell on this fourth f which is so very very meaningful finish the game now what is this game i said life is a game why do why does swami compare life to a game you know any game for example it's a game of cricket or a game of football say a game of football it starts with the whistle and finally at the end there is another whistle and the referee says hey the match is over stop so same way this life is also an interval between two whistles one whistle is called birth the other whistle is called death and this whole game of life is played between these two whistles now <clears throat> however much we may be so joyous with birth but the moment you hear death you know we are filled with fear my god what is this you know something which i fear i don't understand i don't relish i don't want to think about it i don't want to talk about it but the point is there are only two certainties in life they say one is taxes the other is death you know none of us can escape paying taxes if not income tax at least the indirect taxes definitely get extracted every time you make a purchase of any good or service you're paying a tax so you know 20 25 years from now possibly there'll be some people in this hall who will not be around on planet earth 50 years from now many more may not be on planet earth and 100 years from now we can be sure that none of us are going to be here on planet earth that's a certainty absolute certainty whether anything else is certain on life in life or not but this is an absolute certainty so how do we face that now one thing which we must recognize and which will give us lot of strength and lot of solace the first thing is that both relating to birth and death swami is in full control one day you know we were sitting in the mandir and uh, there was this roommate of mine uh, when swami came near he got up on his knees and swami asked him what is your name and he mentioned his name and then uh, swami said hey that's a girl's name he said and all the boys around you know started laughing there were only two people who didn't laugh one was that boy himself and the other was myself because his story this boy had shared with me he was my roommate 
when he was in his mother's womb his father was a very good astrologer so he did his astrological studies and he realized that he was going to be blessed with a daughter and so he thought both husband and wife thought because it's going to be a daughter this is the name we are going to select for our daughter so they had already selected before the child was born when the child was born it turned out to be a boy so they didn't know they have already selected the name you know like girls names in india is sita geeta you know so his name was something sim similar and so they thought we have already selected the name but it should be a boy's name because now a boy is born so they just truncated the name actually in india it's a girl's name but the truncated name made it appear as if it's a boy's name years later when he joined the university one day swami was talking to him he said you know actually he was supposed to be born as a girl but i willed it that you should be born as a boy now look at it whether we are born as a boy or a girl also is swami's decision not our decision so when swami said hey that's a girl's name actually swami was reminding that fellow even for your birth my i am responsible <laughs> you look at death you know death even we don't have the freedom to die you know even our death is in swami's hands i remember it was vijayadashmi day one day during dasara festival at prashantlim and swami started his discourse i was sitting in the hall there and suddenly there was this devotee of swami uh, brigadier bose earlier he was the founder director of iit mumbai and went on to become the director later of iit kanpur he retired and then he came down and became swami's contractor you know so uh, engineer so he would construct so many buildings at prashantlim and vrindavan so this gentleman collapsed on the chair and there were two doctors sitting next to him they just went close and they saw the pulse and they found that he was no more and dr c g patel you know uh, indicated to swami from down that swami he is gone and i have never seen that happen swami swapped his discourse he left the podium walked down the steps went up to this gentleman who was on the ground and swami was having something in his fist and tightly he was holding it and then with his other hand he lifted it up and took that tightly clenched fist and thrust something into his you know crown of his head and the next moment brigadier bose opens his eyes and brigadier bose you know mentions about this experience he said actually i had died and uh, at that moment i saw this huge bird which was hovering about me and uh, i didn't recognize and suddenly i saw swami i mean not in the physical state you know he it is in that super conscious awareness so he saw swami and swami was indicating to the bird you go away go away later on during the sports meet he saw the mascot of our students for the sports meet and it was garuda and he realized that the bird which had come there was none other than garuda when he passed away and it is said in the garuda puran that when very auspicious souls pass away garuda himself comes you know to escort them in the journey ahead so swami just directed garuda no time is not up you 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 come later <laughs> not now so he got back his life 
one day he was sharing in trai brindavan this story with the students and uh, he finished his narration and he was going back to his seat and swami was telling our then principal principal narendra and principal narendra himself went and shared with brigadier boss he said you know brigadier boss what swami mentioned when you were going back to your seat he said do you know who is my brigadier boss he in his previous life was an architect of the taj mahal now you have heard of the taj mahal anybody who comes to india goes to agra and sees the taj mahal in his previous life he was responsible for the construction of the taj mahal in this life swami made him his engineer and he has been swami's engineer for so many constructions all over including this college building so even if you have not gone and see the taj at agra you can go back from prashanti has said you know we had our workshop in the college where the buildings were constructed by the man who constructed the taj mahal so you know both life and death are actually in swami's hands so if that is so then you don't have to be really so worried about what is important not the first whistle or the last whistle what is important is what happens in between the two whistles and that is where all our focus should be now <clears throat> having said that we must ask ourselves what is it which prods this human being to come back into this world again and again and there are three sins according to shas three three reasons or three causes for this coming back again and again punarapi jananam punarapi manaram you know again and again you come back into this world it's like in the university exams we say you're writing you know this person in the ms degree so swami used to joke you know what is an ms degree ms degree is march september he wrote the exam in march he could not clear the exam so he came back in september and wrote the september exam he didn't clear the september exam he again came back in march to write the supplementary so they are called the ms degree recipients so in this game of life you know we should not become this ms degree holders so we should understand what is it which causes this birth again and again because you see it's not enough if you want to play a game you must know what are the rules of the game and how do i finish the how will the game end so you must know what is a foul supposing in a game of football you touch out the football with your hand you know immediately the referee blows a whistle hey it's a foul and if you make too many fouls you know a red card goes up or a yellow card goes up so you must know the rules of the game and know what is allowed what is not allowed so there are three reasons for human birth again and again according to the shastras and the first is called papa sin the second is called tapa tapa is that burning you know you have a desire and it's not fulfilled and you're burning i want it i want it so that tapa is again something which brings us back into this world to fulfill that unfulfilled desire and the third swami says is akyana ignorance so these are the three causes of human rebirth 
Now let me spend a little time about Papa. You may see Papa is not for animals because animals don't, they operate with instinct. Only to man has God bestowed on this wonderful faculty called buddhi, the ability to discriminate what is right and what is wrong. So this Papa business is applicable only to human birth. It's not applicable to anything else. One day Swami was in Shimla. Many decades ago he was visiting Shimla and he was giving darshan amongst the devotees. And there was this lady who was having her baby in her hand and the child was blind. So when Swami came close, she gets up on her knees and she takes her little baby and she prays to Swami. She said, Swami, mere bacche ko aakhe de de. Please give back my son his eyesight. And Swami just walked past. When he came inside to his residence, there was this uh, devotee of Swami, Swami Karinananda. He used to always be with Swami with a cocker robe. If you see some of the photographs of Dasra and birthday celebrations, you will see him walking with Swami. So Swami Karinananda was shedding tears. And Swami looked at him and said, Karinananda, why are you crying? He said, Swami, in darshan line, that lady with that blind child so piteously prayed to you, Swami, please bless my child with eyesight. And nonchalantly, so indifferently, as if you didn't even hear what she said, you just walked away. How could you be like that, Swami? I mean, that was his honest expression of feeling. And then Swami said, Karananda, do you know who that child is? And then Swami revealed, you know, in his previous life, what was his business? In the city of Bombay, he used to kidnap small children of parents and then he would blind them and these maimed children would then be sent as beggars on the streets and that coins or money which they would collect as arms, that money he would collect, that was the business he was doing. What he has done in that previous life, he's bearing the consequences today and you are asking me to simply give away eyesight to that child. I know the past and therefore I know why that individual is suffering. So, you know, man, when he commits sin, he doesn't think twice. He just say, ah, what is going to happen? Our vision is so short term. Only when you have a long term vision, then only we'll know what we should do and what we should not do. How to exercise this faculty of discrimination. One day, our first controller of examinations, Professor Nanjunya, asked Swami, Swami, why does man sin? And Swami said, it's because he forgets the presence of God. Supposing we know that Swami is standing next to me, will you ever dare to say a wrong word in that presence? Will you ever dare to do something wrong which you know he doesn't like? So when man forgets the presence of God, that is when he is propelled to sin. So that is the first sin, first cause for human rebirth. The second, he said, tapa. Tapa is your desire, you know, burning desire. And for that desire, we, we, we don't fulfill it in this life. So you come back again, you come back again, you come back again. And I know, I don't want to name that person, 
a very ardent devotee of Swami, he passed away and uh, Swami expressed, everybody has to die, but he should not die like this. And what did Swami say? It's like, your last moments have come, the body should, uh, you know, actually you should leave the body. The body is useless. You should leave the body, the body should not leave you. And then you afraid, oh my, no, 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 I want to live, I want to want to live. So that's what brings you back. Pain brings you back. So tapa, tapa is, you know, desires unfulfilled. So that is what brings you back again into this world. And the third he said is ajnana. What is ajnana? Ajnana is ignorance. Ignorance of who you are. Who am I? You know, one day in Kodaikanal, there was this beautiful conversation. Swami said, hey, I'm ask, going to ask you students, I'm going to ask you a question. Whoever gives the correct answer, I'm going to give you a prize. So there was tremendous excitement. Wow, now what is the question which Swami is going to ask? And, uh, you know, everybody is uh, dying to give the answer because they want the prize from Swami. And Swami raised the question, who am I? And immediately the students go to, Swami, you are God! And everybody was hoping that the prize is theirs, you know, because they have answered the truth. Swami said, not correct. Not correct. Then somebody said, Swami, you are Shiva Shakti Swarupa. Because this is what Swami himself has told us. And Swami said, not correct. Again, they're blinking at Swami. And then uh, somebody said, Swami, you are Sri Krishna, come again. Not correct. Then somebody got a brainwave. He said, Swami, you are Sarva Devata Swarupa, the embodiment of all the divine personalities. Swami said, not correct. Then one person, one elderly devotee got exasperated at Swami. Swami, please tell us who you are. And then Swami said, I am I. And everybody broke into laughter. You know, what, what, what answer? Am I? You know, it looks... So, but Swami allowed the laughter to die down. And then he said, it's only when you identify with that I, you are in that Advaita Bhava, the oneness of your being. In every other state of existence, there is duality, which is not your correct state of affairs. And it's a beautiful, beautiful mantra. You know, about three, four days ago, we were in Penang, Malaysia. We were having the Sai National Conference in Malaysia. And there was this, uh, I, I believe she has been a Balvikas coordinator also. And uh, by profession, she's a legal expert. Her field of expertise was in shipping laws. And there was this former prime minister who had siphoned off some money of the country and had purchased a yacht, a luxury yacht for about $250 million. And it was discovered and the government of Malaysia wanted to get that money back, whatever they could recover. So they had, there was an intricate maze of contractual law, totally you know, opaque uh, systems and they had to decipher and finally make the claim and then recover the money. So sh she was appointed as the representative of the government of Malaysia. And I was so delighted, you know, to see that Swami's devotees are such in such critical position. And she was narrating an experience and all the kind of opposition that she faced from all quarters. And every time, you know, there would be challenges, there would be difficulties. You know, you get into the self-doubt. Can I do it? 
you know the whole country's hopes are on me can i do it will i be able to do it and all the time she was uh, you know reminding herself this was a beautiful mantra which i like to share because it is linked to the you know narration with swami himself made of who am i she said i can and you know why i can i can because i am who am i i am that atman she always kept reminding herself i am the atman i am i am swami i am swami i am swami with that faith she broke through that maze of you know intricate contracts that were there which nobody could decipher and won the case for malaysia they, they recovered that luxury yacht and in the last month in the month of april they have sold that yacht for 126 million dollars 126 million dollars you know just by the faith of that one soul who said i can because i am now when you say that i am actually you're identifying yourself with that divinity so there are last 5 minutes left i will just end with this thought you know swami has given us a beautiful mantra and he says om sri sai ram Om Sri Sai Ram. The bountiful benedictions of divinity are just capsuled in this one single mantra. You know, we use it for so many occasions and so many casual uh, interactions. Om, Om is the bija of that mantra. No mantra is effective unless it has a bija. And there was a scientist who has done uh, a study on this Om. with a equipment called a tonograph and he discovered to his great amazement when this om was chanted the tonograph translated it into an image of what is called as a sri chakra sri chakra in the worship of the divine mother in india is considered to be a yantra it's basically a plate with very mystic designs and it is deemed to be you know very very auspicious so it was his scientific discovery that when you chant the om you are actually manifesting this sri chakra vibration so we do not understand what power is there in this wonderful mantra but more important i would like to draw your attention to that last ram swami said this name ram has got three letters ra a and ma ra stands for agni bija Agni Bija will destroy all the sins, all the papa, you know, that you have committed. Ah is Surya Bija, you know, it will dispel all the darkness of your ignorance, agyana. And Ma is Chandrama Bija, just as the moon gives coolness to the mind. In the same way, this Ma will give you peace. You know, that tapa, which is the third cause of our human birth. that tapa is you know is cooled down so that potency is there in that divine name om sri sai ram so have this two has this swami has given us another beautiful little long mantra and this is the prescription that i a thought which i leave with you how do we finish the game of life dil mein ram hath mein kaam keep the name of the lord within you 
keep the name of the Lord within you and keep do your daily duties and daily duties will be different for each one of us if you're a housewife it will be different if you're a student it will be different if you're a professional it will be different different people will have whatever are your duties don't compartmentalize this is personal this is professional this is family this is organization work this is my young adult spiritual work no all this is one when you do all that you know one day Swami was speaking in Trai Vrindavan he said you know why man is reborn? He is born because of one capital crime. What is that capital crime? He identifies that this body is me. This body. And for that, there is capital punishment in the spiritual world. And what is that punishment, Swami? The punishment is to be born again and again. That is the punishment for you. How will we transcend this then, Swami? How will we finish the game? There is one way you can finish the game. And Swami said, whatever action you do, dedicate it to the divine. Practice it throughout your life, throughout your life. And finally, when the referee blows the whistle, the Lord is there at the other side of the tape. He said, hey, you have succeeded. You have won. And then we'll tell Swami, Swami, I did not win. You made me win, Swami. <laughs> because this is the realization of life. That we cannot finish the game on our own. We will not be able to transcend the cycle of birth and death. And you know the examination system, especially if you're part of it, you understand. Some used to tell us, see it's like, supposing all the effort you put and 40% is your pass mark and you land up with 35 or 34. You're a little short. And what does your examiner do? He said, you know, so much the examiner, the student has worked. Can I give him half a mark there? Can I give him two marks there? And you know, he'll be going over your paper over and over again. And finally, he will say 39.5. As per the approximation rule, it will become 40. And the controller of exam will say, pass, pass, you have passed. So that is what the Lord does. You know, he puts a little grace marks on our behalf. And he says, this fellow has passed. In my own life, I have seen people who have passed. And one, I'll end with this last experience. When I became the principal of Vrindavan campus, I stepped into the shoes of a gentleman whom I hold in great regard, Principal Narendra. <coughs> he was the principal of the uh, Vrindavan college from 1970 to 1986. And Swami said that he is my principal. If you want to know what kind of a man he was, one day Swami Karananda was asked to narrate his experiences to students in Vrindavan. And because he would speak in Telugu, Swami asked Principal Narendra, you translate. So Nar Karananda was narrating an experience. He had a small medical clinic on the eastern coast of India in an ashram. So there was this night time and this lady was in the family way. She was about to give delivery to a child and she had been admitted to their small uh, medical, uh, not hospital, it was a clinic. So the nurse in attendance felt that maybe today the child is not coming. So uh, she went off for a movie show late in the night. When she came back after the night show, suddenly she finds that this baby child is already delivered and the baby is washed and the baby and mother are both sleeping peacefully next to each other. So she was very, I am the attendance nurse, uh, how come, who delivered the baby? So next day when the uh, lady woke up, she asked, who was there in the night? I was not there to help you, who helped you? And she pointed to a photograph of Swami and said, that Miss Yama came and helped me. <laughs> 
the poor lady she didn't know that that is only a photograph she thought that's some resident in the ashram swami was of course in prashadalayam so he said that misiyamma came and helped me so uh, karnananda said that poor lady she did not know that the person in the photograph is a man or a woman misiyamma she was referring that misiyamma came and so then it was narendra sir's time to translate and see look at the man see the language speaks of the man he said that little lady she did not know where the picture in the photograph was a god or a goddess <laughs> he lived his whole his life all his life you know in that bhavam and what a wonderful principle he was for the students of his era when he passed away swami asked the family members to come to bring the body to prashantalayam and cremate it in the chitravati and swami was telling the students in the mandir who do you think did the last rites for narendra i only have done it this is what he told the students i shared it with the son in law of principal narendra and the moment he heard it he said my god you know shall i tell you what happened that day they were on the chitravati and there uh, the son could not make it the daughter was there but daughter cannot do the last rites so some other male member in the family was asked to do the lighting of the pyre so there is a little ritual you know they take a pot and then they break the pot in one corner and then they come and light the pyre so he had broken the pot and he was returning as he was returning this is what the people saw there was this arti plate Uh, you know the flame was there on a plate and it was at quite some distance from the pyre suddenly a gush of wind came came to the plate picked up that camphor from the plate and the camphor flew and went and lit the pyre afterwards this man comes there and you know they make the fire bigger but the first fire was lit by that gush of wind which picked up that flame so when swami said i have done the last rites for narendra you know the son in law said it is true then few days later swami calls the devotee and says hey take these sweets and go and give it to narendra's family so this man you know his heart sank my god there's a death in the family and swami is saying take this sweet you know what will people think of me cruel fellow heartless fellow merciless fellow doesn't you know have any feelings so he was so hesitant and he is looking as swami sweets have to go and give to that family then swami said you tell them when a man is liberated it's an occasion of celebration and that is why i'm sending these sweets to the family members and you know can imagine the joy imagine the joy so in my own lifetime i have seen people who have finished the game so play by the rules dil mein ram hath mein kaam and the destination is ahead of you sai ram